Vedic Assemble! I'm Vedic Collinson. And I'm Vedic Exhausted, and this is the Vedic Assembly. I'm also Vedic Exhausted. <laughs> Some stuff has happened, guys, uh, which is why we are recording a week late mm -hmm. today. And that is, that's on me in the situation I'm in, in, in right now. My mom is not well, and we had to take her to the ER last week. And basically, the problems are going to continue until she gets an aortic valve replacement, which is hopefully going to be done in the next couple of weeks, but I don't know a firm date on that yet. I'm very tired. I spent a lot of time at the hospital. Missed three days of work. Mm. Luckily, my boss was nice about that, but that was all I could miss because there are things that I have to do, like payroll and whatnot, so had to go back to work and now i'm very behind i'm just behind on everything including this i'm so sorry listeners please forgive me forgive me so how have you been nick i've been okay it's it's definitely been a mixed bag recently most things are mm. doing all fine and good um my partner is taking a little bit of time off work and uh learning a bit of coding and web design which is uh Good for her, and hopefully that'll be a really good career move. Um, we've both been finally booked in for our COVID vaccinations, but um, yeah, I've also found out that I'm going to be needing uh, surgery myself sometime in the not too distant future. Thankfully, it's uh, nothing so serious, and it's actually something that I've had done before a few years ago. But it's yeah, still the fact of having to go into a hospital during COVID times and. Oh, this is a bit scary. So, yeah. 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 It's uh, it's scary here, too, mm -hmm. in the hospitals because, you know, there are thousands of new COVID-19 cases a day in Utah right now. Yeah. People just, uh, they, they just will find any reason to resist mm -hmm. doing what's best for the whole. Yeah. So, and I don't understand that. I don't understand that mindset at all, especially with all the Mormons here because they're supposed to be giving in kind and thinking about other people and they're mostly the people that are the problem. Mm. This whole you can't tell me what to do thing. Okay, whatever. Really? Because, you know, you let your God tell you what to do. You do a lot of weird stuff in the name of your God, you guys, but you can't get vaccinated. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. We've even had anti-lockdown protests here as well. I thought we were kind of past that last year, but no, it's still happening. I'm going to guess that that's going to happen everywhere as long as people exist until, you know, World War Three happens. <laughs> and basically there's maybe a million people left on the entire planet and the Vulcans show up in 2063. That's pretty much how I feel about it. God, there's a Twitter account that is counting down the number of days until um, first contact day 2063. <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> Why wouldn't there be? <laughs> Fingers crossed, eh? Fingers crossed. I hope they show up early. I'd welcome them at any moment now. But it's not gonna it's not gonna happen when no. we are this idiot. We gotta fix our shit ourselves. Mm-hmm. We do. We do. And get on it. 
unfortunately, I really do believe that it's going to take eradication of the bulk of the population before we realize we don't have any choice but to work together if we want to get through this. Mm. I I hope I am proven wrong, but mm -hmm. after having worked in retail and seeing the ugly side of humanity, especially in these times, I'm not, mm. I don't have a great deal of hope. I want yeah. to, I want to, I really truly do. There are definitely things that, um, that give me hope, mostly kind of a lot of, you know, small scale community things and, and cases of people coming together. So if we can uh, kind of keep that ball rolling, get it to drive things ahead. I don't know. You can, I, you can very easily see, um, the two paths that we can go down and every now and then it seems to kind of sway one way or another. So yeah, it's hard to say. It is. It's just because I'm surrounded by quote unquote conservatives who mm -hmm. seem only interested in conserving their right to do whatever the hell they want and mm. keep their money in power. I wouldn't call them conservatives in any other way. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, uh, I just, there's, there's not a lot of hope when I look around here, but mm -hmm. you know, I'm in a red state. So there you go. Oh. Yeah. But anyway, let's quit whining or rather I should quit whining. <laughs> <I've been laughs> I need, I need to channel my Ted Lasso. I need to be kind, be curious not judgmental that is a hard thing to do mm. ted lasso does it all the time if y'all haven't seen ted lasso don't know what it is go look it up now and find a way to watch it nick and i were talking yeah. about that before we started recording just before we started just, recording seriously though guys just go go do it go do it if you yeah. haven't already because it sounds really good i wish i could be like him <laughs> I don't know how to be like him, but I, I try, I try a little more every day. I get there with the, oh, nope, nope. Be curious, not judgmental. Ask questions when people are awful to you. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Ask questions, ask questions about them. Like try to get to the bottom of why they're so angry. Yeah, that's honest. That's a good philosophy. Yeah. Hard to put in practice. Yes. But yeah. Very, very correct way to think. Yeah, I think that it comes down to a lot of times when a person is awful to you, it's coming, they're taking their anger out on you about mm. something else. Yeah. And if you can get to the bottom of that and kind of, you know, be a sympathetic ear or do something to help them, you've suddenly turned an enemy into possible friend yeah Imagine. or if not at least you know even if you're kind of coming up against you know the worst sides of you know society everyone believes what they believe for a reason and for what feels like a good reason inside their own head so mm. yeah like if you understand where someone is coming from if nothing else it helps to push back against you know fascism you know anything yeah. you know people believe those things because they genuinely believe they're right so there's got to be some reason why they do that and if you can tap into that 
hopefully you can kind of pull them back and people have done that people have, i've i've heard many people talk about how um uh you know the youtubers like um contrapoints have done really good work and like de-radicalizing young men who are like going down the the alt-right pipeline just that little bit of understanding you can bring someone back from the edge it really kind of fits in with star trek so well <laughs> it so does i and i mean bringing this back to ted lasso which is apparently this is the ted lasso podcast now but like <laughs> the, the first things i heard about this show was someone saying that that not the show but like the character has got real like star trek like captain pike starfleet captain energy mm, he really does he really does. I hadn't thought about it that way until you said it. And then I realized, oh, yes, that's perfect. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. And even when something hits him hard, he finds a way through it. So it's it's got a very interesting commentary on the world today. People in general, um, football or soccer, depending on where you live and <laughs> interpersonal relationships. It's just, it's, it's, it's full of hope. <laughs> it does may not sound like that, Sounds but it is. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I, I need that in my life as much as I need Star Trek. Star Trek and Ted Lasso are my guiding lights these <laughs> days. And they're kind of like the same thing, but just one's not set in the future. <laughs> hmm. Yes. So, yeah, gotta, gotta get that Ted Lasso energy going. All right, then. So we are here to do what? We're here to talk about Major Kira some more because we couldn't finish our love fest in a timely fashion <laughs> last time. <laughs> and there are more things to talk about. Mm. Ever, ever things to talk about. Where did we yeah. leave off? I don't even remember. <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> this is why we should have... Uh kind of structured what we we're going to talk about a bit better but i know that we we'd sort of started talking about her relationships with other characters yes, yes you're right and i knew that that could almost be an episode in itself right because um, yeah i mean just off the top of my head i mean there's her you know she has this great you know originally kind of antagonistic but then very kind of supportive and kind of helping professional relationship with cisco and then obviously there's like this very close friendship between her and Dax. And then, of course, Kira and Odo. But there's even Kira and Jake. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I think people overlook, but it really comes into play in some of the later seasons. For instance, um, the episode, it's hard to talk about still, The Visitor. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That just how she is so intent on making sure that Jake is provided for that mm. he has everything he needs not only physically materially emotionally she is going to make sure of it period yeah getting him to open up was another question entirely and we didn't get to see a lot of that through all of the the moments where we saw Jake grow older. We didn't get to see a ton of that. But just the scenes that she did have with him just really showed how unrelenting she was in making sure the people that she cared about 
were going to be taken care of, regardless of mm. who they are. Kind of like a, she was, I think she kind of saw herself as a bit of a mother figure at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I don't think she ever had thought of herself as being a mother because it was just, you know, her life was just fighting. That's all it had mm. been. And so she never had time to stop and consider what she actually wanted out of her life once the Cardassians were gone. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it would have been one of those situations of just the, the yeah, the fight against the Cardassians would have seemed so constant that mm. you wouldn't be thinking about what you do once it's over. Yeah. Well, she joined the resistance so young that there was probably never a thought in her mind of, what do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was basically her entire life. Yeah. And the end of the occupation was so recent when Deep Space Nine starts that she still, you know, she's thrust in this position of being the liaison for the provisional government. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of more of the same. It's a different kind of fighting, but it's still a fight that she's in. Hmm. So she doesn't want Jake to go through that. Yeah. I I think it it could be that too. Like she probably sees that in him. And also the, yeah, next to Jake, she's probably the one who feels the loss of Cisco the most as well. Like not just as, you know, by that point, you know, a trusted colleague and commander, but like this sort of symbol of faith for her people as well. Mm -hmm. as the emissary yeah she has she has the most nuanced connection to cisco of anybody because you know we have mm. dax who he cisco knew as curzon and now knows as jadzia and then later knows as esri and so he's he gets to experience in person three incarnations of mm. that particular uh symbiont but it's it's different because there isn't that religion thing there Hmm. whereas there is with Kira. And so she has a more intense uh, appreciation for him in a way that nobody else in the you know main core of people around her do. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah, it was, I, I feel like it was kind of, she almost kind of, I don't want, I don't want to say that she saw him almost as a father figure because their ages weren't that different. She may have seen him, just like an older brother. Yeah, I, I definitely get that kind of feeling. Because that's where you get the, you know, a little bit of that kind of uh, antagonism as well at the mm. start, you know, because that's, you fight with your siblings. So, but, and, yeah. but at the end of the day, you're there for each other. Yep. Yeah. And there was, I don't think there was anything between those two that could have ended their relationship besides him dying or going mm. <laughs> to the prophets. But even then there's no, there's nothing saying he didn't come back at some time and he did come back in the novels. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's, there's a very, very profound respect between um, Kira and Cisco. Yeah. And I think because it throughout all of the show, anytime, even when they, uh, they differ or, you know, she even goes against his orders. Um, you know, or Cisco will do something, you know, in the best interests of the of the Federation or keeping the peace, but Kira sees it as something that 
you know, is, is harming the Bajorans in the short term, perhaps. Like, you know, yeah, like you said, like, none of these things destroy their friendship or their relationship with each other. You know, they, they know that they have perhaps slightly different agendas or and different ideas of how to, how to achieve what they're doing, you know, how to achieve, like, peaceful, you know, um, what's the word, a stability for the Bajorans and for that area of space. Um, yeah, and like, but like they, they both know, even though they have different ideas of how to get there, like they are both working towards the same goal and they, yeah, definitely profoundly like understand that, that they are both like fundamentally good people and working for the, the same cause. Indeed. Yeah. And I think another thing just occurred to me, I don't know that Kira's ever had friends before, not like people no. that she like the, there were the people that she was fighting with in the shikar mm. resistance but i don't think she's ever had a true friend until cisco and jedzia and julian mm. and o'brien and odo and mm. it's the first time that she's really had that connection that wasn't you know she wasn't thrown in with these people because she was fighting something greater. Yeah. I think you especially see that with her relationship with Jadzia. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when Jadzia is trying to get Kira to like join her for their like, you know, medieval costume dress ups on the holodeck and stuff like that. And she, yeah, it's definitely clear that like Kira just hasn't had just a friendship before then, you know, she's had, you know, comrades in arms and probably, like, several people that, like, she'd take a phaser bolt for. Yeah. But, yeah, like, no one who she's just, like, had a fun time with. Yeah, I don't know that she's ever really had fun for most of her life. Because mm. she grew up in a labor camp. Yeah, and exactly. then she joined the resistance, and now she's got this... Now she's under all this pressure being caught between the Federation and Starfleet and the provisional government. And (laughs) she's never had time to figure out who she is without the Cardassians being part of it until now, basically, until Mm. Deep Space Nine. So it's interesting to watch her mature through all of that. Not that she's not mature. She She is mature. She's unfortunately too mature because of what she's been through Mm. for someone her age but uh but that that gives her a lot of good what's the word i'm looking for here it's not really intuition per se but it gives her a a lot of experience to draw on when dealing Mm. with situations so and I know some people may have seen her as a hothead, but I never really considered her as a hothead. I considered her as passionate about her yes. beliefs yes. and about, you know, doing what's right. So, mm. and there have been times when she has done something wrong for the sake of something turning out the way that it was supposed to mm. or the way that she thinks it should have been. They're not her finest moments, and she knows that. But she is now surrounded by people who can accept that about her and say, yes, we understand that that was not good. That was not something that I would have done. But you've done it. This was the result. 
and we move on and we're still friends and we still love you. And it's just, you know, there are no, there's, that's the thing about that group of people is that there's not really any complete deal breakers. Yeah, mm. Julian's a bit weird in the first couple of seasons, a bit <laughs> lecherous, and just kind of, ugh. but he gets better as we go on, and and it's. He, I mean, he gets a lot better, which is very nice. Yes, I I really came to appreciate him. I think it was in it's about the middle of season two when I fi- finally finally really started to appreciate him. But uh, mm. it's interesting because we don't see as much interaction with Bashir and Kira as we do Kira and Sisko, Kira and Jetzia, Kira and, well, and yeah. eventually the O'Briens and Odo and Quark. And it's kind of like, <laughs> really, you're hitting on everybody but Kira because you know better. You know she is yeah. not a person you mess around with. <laughs> you mean, yeah. I'm sure that... um him uh accidentally insulting her entire culture the mm. first time they meet probably weighs heavily on his mind throughout the rest of his life yeah in the same way that like dumb shit i said at high school still keeps me up at night mm-hmm. <laughs> 15 years later and then there was that comment afterward i think for miles about women and i was just like okay <gasps> Gotta remind myself this was the 90s. That's not an excuse. It's just mm-hmm. still the way things were back then. <sighs> oh, God. I I had to um, <laughs> explain the whole deal with um, Orion's and the whole pheromone thing to Moya when we were watching the latest episode of Lower Decks, and she was not impressed. She's like, well, they tried to introduce it to sort of... Uh, this was in the 2000s in the in the series Enterprise. It was, you know, very much of that era. And they tried to do that to um, try to explain and make up for all of the really problematic shit that happened when they introduced this species in the 60s in the show that was very much of that era. Which is like, yeah, that's not better. Yeah, but the interesting thing is... Uh... Just that little bit of interaction, just that little bit in Lower Decks of the Orions have now shown us that, A, um, not every Orion mm-hmm. female has pheromones, and B, they get really bad at certain times of the year. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good episode. I love it. It it was amazing in many ways. <laughs> it, it was really, really dense. There was so much going on in the episode that you really have to watch it like three or four times to catch everything. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you know, I, I want to be known as the Mistress of the Winter Constellations. I think that's so an excellent Moya. title. That's, that's magnificent. I love it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I like the fact that they're taking something problematic and giving us a character through which to explore those misconceptions. Yeah. That's uh, very smart. Very, very smart. Mm. So yeah, Kira and her uh, relationships. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, at, le- at least the at least the, this tangent was still on the subject of Star Trek. Yes. Yes, we did stay in the Star Trek world. 
Yeah. Um. And apparently Mariner used to serve on DS9. Yes, when Worf was there because she broke his mechleth. <laughs> Good grief. Mariner <laughs> is a steamroller. And <laughs> get out of her way or you're going to be flattened by her. And I don't think she even realizes that she's that way. She's just like, I do what I want. Yeah, but what? how is that affecting the people around you? <laughs> mm, yeah. I, I think Mariner is a great character. Do not get me wrong. It's uh-huh. just uh, she got issues. But that's the thing. It's okay to have issues. It's interesting to explore those issues and get to the bottom of why those issues are mm-hmm. there and where they come from, which we actually got a little insight into that into that in that Lower Decks episode. So, yeah, it's tangentially related because they mentioned Deep Space Nine and Worf. So. Yep. There we go. <laughs> and also, Kira is another person obviously with a lot of issues and you know actually you know i'm not going to say that she you know sometimes is unaware of um her effect on the people around her because i think she's actually very aware and Mm. is is very aware of the fact that some of the people around her and working with her are unaware of how what they do affects her Mm -hmm. yeah i i think sometimes people just see the tough side of her and they don't realize that they're still a person with very intense emotions beneath all of mm. that. So, yeah. No, it's just been a bit weird over the last few weeks. There have been um, uh, a few posts that people have made in um, uh, the Star Trek shitposting group. And, you know, anytime someone makes something that they know is going to be a, like a controversial opinion, you know that it's that it's kind of just like bait for angry comments. Mm-hmm. But it's still interesting to see some people still talking about Deep Space Nine as being boring. Yeah, it's like... What? It, it's my favorite Star Trek show. It's one of my favorite shows overall. But I still would never force someone to like it if they if it just didn't click. But, like, uh, boring just sounds like such a weird criticism of it to me. Because it's not. It's got, like, the best character development of any series. And, like, Kira is, is a, I feel like, shows that up. More than anyone. Boring. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's... I wonder if it's people who are just, like, stuck in the thinking of, like, the... I don't know, late 90s? Like, I remember feeling that way about it when I was, like, in my early teens. And mm. hadn't didn't quite get how good the show was. But And this is back in the time when I kind of didn't quite understand everything about the Star Trek I was watching anyway. And just liked the cool space battles and it's fine to like the cool space battles but it's like do you not want an amazing like cold war-esque political thriller apparently not apparently that's boring (laughs) whatever people are weird people Mm -hmm. are weird because i i admit that um i didn't get deep space nine when it was originally airing i Mm. had to mature a bit before I could really dig in and understand just how good it is. And even now, I've said this before, every time I rewatch an episode of any Trek that happened from Enterprise or before, something new mm-hmm. uh, is is a part of it. Something new comes to my mind while I'm watching it. It's a different experience every single time. So it's just... 
I don't know. That's it's yeah. I it's I've said it, but Star Trek is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> it is. It's just something that you can keep. Yeah. Uh, anything that you can kind of watch multiple times and keep getting something out of. So um, this is great because so this is probably going to end up being at least like a once a year thing for Moya and me. But last night we started rewatching The Fellowship of the Ring again. Because mm. God, like the Lord of the Rings movies are so wonderful. And I'm not just saying that uh, as a New Zealander. <laughs> <laughs> but it, this was a thing where, um, you know, even though I've watched that movie a hundreds of times or you know tens of times at least <laughs> i was you know finding and especially hearing things in it that i hadn't really noticed before like in the early scene um where you know saruman is getting his orcs to like tear down all of the trees around isengard the kind of creaking and groaning noises of the trees falling over is the same as the noise of like the ants talking to each other in the two towers yeah, I hadn't noticed that until then. I was like, oh, these these audio cues that are in there early on in the first movie that aren't sort of brought in until later on in the second. Right. So, yeah. Um, oh, I mean, yeah, just like the craft of filmmaking in general. And so uh, in awe of, you know, the people who, who just kind of elevate it to such an art form. Indeed. And generally movies like that only get Academy Awards for, you know, effects and sound and mm. stuff like that. But uh, they, they waited until the third one, but they did give it a, a, an Academy Award for Best Picture, mm -hmm. which is something that hasn't really happened before or since. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Funny how that um... works get into how the academy looks down on genre films we'll be here all day yeah oh my word it's so frustrating so so frustrating i don't care for that at all so um man like what else do we have with there's so much with her character like i feel like anyone else you know you could potentially you wouldn't do it justice but you could potentially do like you know a single episode mm -hmm. I just like there's always more to talk about with with Kira. She is so multifaceted. Yeah. I I am very interested in talking about like her relationship with Odo. Mhm. Mm just because of how like even before, you know, obviously later on um when it becomes, you know, a romantic relationship and we have, you know, Odo's kind of pining for her, his sort of unrequited love. But even, like, thinking of, you know, before then, they, like, before the Federation turned up, they were both still there and almost on opposing sides. Mm. And I don't, I still don't really know exactly how it was supposed to have worked. But, yeah, they still have this sense of respect for each other. Indeed. That that was the thing that I noticed at, at the beginning, is that they weren't friends. But mm. they respected each other. They obviously knew each other fairly well. Yeah. And I think Odo is interesting because he is one of those people who is true neutral, which yeah. means he's like lawful neutral if you're talking about D&D. &D. Yeah, definitely lawful neutral. And that is so hard to do. 
It is mm. really hard to do, to not take sides. Yeah. And I think it is so, it's something that would be so easily swayed depending on the context he was in. Yes. And I mean, we definitely need to get more into this whenever we eventually do, you know, an episode or two devoted to Odo himself. Mm-hmm. You know, but the, the episode where it's kind of, you know, where they all find out that he was basically fabricated or helped in the fabrication of evidence that framed uh, some Bajoran people as terrorists. I can't remember. Obviously, didn't sort of prepare for talking about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, like it is, it is interesting to see even him sort of as he grows as a character later on dealing with that and and Kira dealing with knowing this about her friend, you know, knowing that he did these things in the past. And, you know, there's definitely that feeling that she's not sure if she can forgive him. Mm-hmm. But obviously eventually, if not forgives, like is able to kind of look past it and see who he is now, see the person that he has grown into. Yeah. Well, in counterpoint, oh my gosh, I'm not prepared for this episode to talk about this episode either. <laughs> um, and I'm terrible with episode names, so I can't pull it out of my head. But that episode where Kira basically killed that guy and framed someone else and mm. Odo was investigating it and she did not tell him the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, hey, pot, you can't call that kettle black, mm. honey. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> and see that's that's the difference is that between being you know on a specific side and doing whatever it takes to get what you want what you need now granted this guy was not a good person if i remember correctly mm. and uh but then there's odo who is like no uh i'm just getting at the truth i'm a seeker of truth that's what i am mm. doing and so I don't remember the exact circumstances of him fabricating stuff, but in any case, everybody's got one. Everybody's got one of those things where yeah. they should just not have done what they did. So I kind of feel like it's a little hypocritical that Kira was more upset about that than she. he probably would have been about what she had done. Mm. Yeah. No, they definitely have a very, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is an interesting relationship given the, um, the history, mm. you know, Odo being head of security under Cardassian rule. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. Odo is the one person who can get the goat of Gul Dukat. <laughs> <laughs> the only one. Yeah. And I love to see it happen every time mm. it happens. <laughs> so Kira probably wishes that she had that abil- ability. Mm, yeah. But uh yeah. So yeah, that relationship, love it or hate it, it happened. <laughs> it happened really late. Mm, but it yeah. did happen. I wonder if yeah. Odo ever came back. I haven't read all the DS9 novels. Does he ever come back? Somebody tell me. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I haven't read them either. I I have I, I have read um, Enigma Tales, mm. and I read some of the other ones that sort of tie in here and there. Obviously, you've got Esri eventually becoming the captain of the uh, USS Aventine, mm-hmm. which plays a big role in the Destiny trilogy and all that other stuff, which is good, but 
very weird story. Yeah. <laughs> She's also in the first book of the Typhon Pact. I haven't read all of those, so um yeah. she's in that one and she she doesn't play a huge role but she plays an important one in that whole mm. situation but i had a hard time finishing that book i just yeah. um i thought i would find it a lot more interesting because basically um bashir and what's her name the one who went to work for section 31 that was his love oh what was her name the one that had the problem where she was you know, she was part oh, of the Misfits. Of, yeah. What was her one name? One of the other, yeah. Can't remember. Can't remember her name. Ugh, yeah. I'm terrible. I know what you mean. I'm terrible. Yeah. They they went and infiltrated, like, a Breen outpost or the Breen homeworld. I can't remember which one. All right. This is the one where it describes what Breen actually looked like inside their suits. Yeah. And that's the thing. Do you want to know? I think I've already... <laughs> found out i can't remember is this the one where they're all kind of like weirdly wolf-like or this is the one where it's like oh no they're all actually a whole bunch of different species they're a whole bunch yep. of different species right which makes sense to have that armor where you can't mm. tell who is what mm. so that i found that interesting but i thought i would find it more interesting and i just had a really hard time with it yeah so that's we'll go back to it someday yeah I will get around to those books eventually. I've got such a backlog. Mm. I picked up my, uh, this is like, you know, aging me as very much a 90s kid. I picked up a great big box of all my old Animorphs books from my parents' <laughs> place a little while ago. Uh, yeah. And I've started on the mammoth task of re rereading those because I only ever got to, I never finished the series. Mm. I got up to like 39 or 40 out of 53. So I've read the first 10 again, but now I've gone back to um, the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemison because she is just a spectacular author. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. First ever series where every, all three books in a trilogy won the Hugo Award. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I um, I was an adult at that point, so I never read Adam Warp's books. Oh, God, the, fun. Well, the thing is, is that I find a lot of children's and teen fiction a lot more interesting and imaginative than mm. adult fiction. There is a lot of depressing shit in adult fiction that I am just not into. Yeah. I already suffer from depression because of my mm -hmm. bipolar disorder. I don't need to read depressing stories as well. <laughs> so. yeah. And even when, like, there's some... I've definitely read some uh, some sort of YA stuff with a lot of very depressing themes in it, but it's written in just that like that kind of over the top melodramatic fashion mm. that you just know is is so perfectly targeted to its its own demographic that at least I, you know, as a thirty two year old reading stuff like that, I was like, yep, I remember the time when I was all about this, and you can kind of relive those days through it in a sort of nostalgic sense yeah the the thing that did it for me was the time traveler's wife oh, I, yeah. I i was so angry and demoralized by the end of that book that i literally threw it across the room and that i picked it up and i threw it across the room again wow yeah i have not read it or don't 
seen the film. Don't. Yeah. Don't. There is no happiness there. Mm. No. It's, yeah. I just, uh, that's why it's hard for me to watch dramatic series as a general rule. It depends on the series, but I have a hard yeah. time with that. Because I just, there are people who just, yeah, I'm just watching a story. But no, I'm feeling the story. I can't mm. not feel the story. Yeah. It's just the way I'm built. So it it's a lot harder for me because everything affects me, which is why I can't watch anything about war. I can't watch Saving Private Ryan. I can't watch... You know, it, I, I watched Saints and Soldiers simply because it was a locally produced movie and my friend Alan had done a lot of work on it. And still, it was just like, I don't, I don't want to be here. This is just too hard. Mm. This is too hard. I know that all this stuff exists, but these are the kind of things that keep me up at night. I need to be able to sleep sometimes. So, you know... The, a lot of times these things, people may think about them for the day. I think about them for weeks and months. Yeah. It's just different. I'm the same. I, I just almost always gravitate towards watching. Uh, yeah, I mean, my favorite sort of shows to watch whenever there's something new is like, you know, things like She-Ra or The Owl House, like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of cartoons that are kind of aimed at slightly older kids. Cause it's, these are the ones that have like, a lot of really interesting fascinating stories and character development also like especially looking at examples like you know things like she-ra there's more like lgbtq representation in that than in a lot of like mainstream media targeted at adults mm-hmm. which is pretty shit yeah. um yeah yeah so yeah that's why i like that's why i love star trek you know and the the new stuff even you know like, yeah, Picard and kind of first season of Discovery to an extent are, a, you know, a good deal darker than, like, most of what you see in Star Trek. You know, it's kind of on par with, like, late season DS9, but it's still a lot more, like, just generally, like, optimistic mm-hmm. about who we will be as people in the future than, like, most other TV shows. Even The Expanse. Like, I, I do enjoy The Expanse, but, like, I haven't caught up and i think i'm about two seasons behind because like it's it's still like slightly anxiety inducing to watch and it's probably just like been been burned by watching stuff like game of thrones where it's like i can't i can't fall in love with any of these characters because they might die well that's that's part of the thing um i honestly it's it's not like game of thrones i can tell you for sure the next couple of seasons you know there's no season seven of game of thrones stuff going on in there. so that i mean there there is some stuff going on and um there is some separation of characters for reasons but uh mm. and the interesting thing about the expanse is that it's a harder sci-fi that i think than star trek because it's not mm. it's not a super distant future i feel like you know, it still takes forever to get to Mars from Earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So there's that. But, I do like that about it. Yeah. It annoys me when people bring that fact up as the only reason why it's good. No, that's not. Yeah. That's not it. The reason why it's good is it's a compelling story with compelling yeah. characters. Although 
I, there are all these people who are just like, oh, well, you've got this one guy who can do everything. And that's not, you are misrepresenting what Holden is. He's the Mm. guy that has a conscience that wishes he could just let it slide, but he can't. (laughs) He just can't. And he, he now has cancer for life because he couldn't just let it slide. You know, all of these things that he couldn't just leave alone. So it's just, he, and everybody's like, well, he just always, he always does the right thing. Yeah, because that's the person that he is. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to be that person. He wasn't that person in the beginning of the series, but he was, and he had to become that person and didn't Mm -hmm. want to do it, but he just kept doing it because it had to be done and because he cares about people. So just saying that people who say that, those things about Holden, I'm just like, you've got them all wrong, all wrong. Look a little deeper. Of course, mm. my favorite's actually Amos, but <laughs> just. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Season one, I was I... like, this is my guy. <laughs> Amos is great. Yes. I'm sorry, this suddenly became the Expanse podcast for a few Yeah, years. I didn't intend that. <laughs> It's your fault you brought it up. <laughs> no, I did. There are, no. It's just, you know, The Expanse and um, Umbrella Academy are the two shows that I am, oh like, God. most of the way through watching, and I just need to sit down and actually finish. Yeah. And get, o- get over my misplaced anxiety that it's all going to go absolutely horribly. Yeah. Because I know it won't. Nothing can go as bad as Game of Thrones did. No. No. I think it set the bar for the shittiest yeah. season of television. Um, the shittiest uh. final season of anything, mm-hmm. and there have been some shitty seventh seasons. How I Met Your Mother comes to mind, but Game of Thrones tops that. Just yeah, yeah. Hold my beer. Watch this. Yeah, yeah. It's just epic fail, <laughs> epic mm. fail on every level. Yeah, I mean that's another one. I I actually don't think I saw like the last one or two episodes, but like I think I saw like a for some weird reason I tried to avoid like final spoilers for that, even though I knew that everyone hated it. I was like, well, you know what? Maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm different. Maybe I'll be one of the people who actually like what happened. And eventually, I was like, no, nah, I probably won't, and I don't really care. And I watched the uh, like the two part Lindsay Ellis video essay about it, where she just kind of goes through what what happened and why it was so terrible. It's like. Wow, I'm really glad I didn't actually like sit down and watch the those last two episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You saved yourself so mm-hmm. much time and anguish, and probably <laughs> did something far more interesting and or productive with that time. So, well done, you. Yep. Well done, <laughs> you. Small achievements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so oh God, what were we talking we're about? We're talking about Kira and Odo. I think it's interesting to note that Kira has sort of a particular history with men. We don't know mm. about her relationships prior to this, really, but we know about Vedic Burial, and then we know about um, her relationship. She has a relationship with Shakar later, mm. and then doesn't he become? I can't remember. What does he come become? He's a Vedic. But he gets like a higher calling or something like that. It's not Kai. 
anyway, long story short, she keeps, those relationships keep ending either like Beryl, it was death, unfortunately. Shakar was like, uh, this just isn't working anymore. Mm. And then Odo has to go back to the Great Chain and save his race. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, I know that the one relationship that does work out is the one you have for the rest of your life. But sometimes it just feels like you're never going to find that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I wonder if Kira ever felt that way. Because we we never we don't really get to know because the series ends you know pretty much right yeah. there. Yeah, well, I haven't read the uh, the follow up books. I don't know if she. Hopefully, she either you know ends up finding someone that she can be happy with, or just like is kind of okay and happy with you know not not having a partner because that's that's a thing that a person can be as well. Yeah, but you know. It's, as long as she is like happy and content mm-hmm. in life, I like that in the um, and I've forgotten this in the romance section on the uh, uh, memory alpha page for Kieran Reese. Uh, the first one is uh, Thomas Riker because of course oh. it just says she showed a brief attraction to him while he was under the guise of William Riker. I forgot about that completely. <laughs> I think that I was just so uh, about it that I just tried to forget it and then did. Because I was just like, ooh, no, no. Because immediately I knew it was Thomas. <laughs> I mean, the minute he walks onto Deep Space Nine, I'm like, that is not Riker. That's Thomas. <laughs> I was not fooled for a second. Oh, dear. And Burrell yeah, and Shakar and Odo, they're the only ones listed. Mm-hmm. No, I think that the relationship with Odo is... Um, Interesting. I I definitely like. I would have been fine with it not being romantic because mm-hmm. I think there is a lack of just like good close, you know, male female platonic friendships. You know, in in media, especially like TV from that time. You know, there's that idea that like, oh, these two people are friends. Oh, they have to get together. But like, even that being said, like, it was still. It seemed like it was a nice relationship and it you know the the writers and the actors made it work they did i just kind of feel like well every every relationship that you have and i am speaking from experience you never love a different person the same way as you loved the person Mm. you were last with it's it's always it's a different kind of love with each relationship and when it comes to kira and odo i don't think she's ever had that kind of love up to that point yes yeah, it's it's the love with the like the strong underlying friendship as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not just the attraction thing. It's not just about the romantic part. It's also about they can talk to each other. You know, mm-hmm. they they have experiences. Uh, you know, years of experience together as colleagues, as friends, as. Uh, sort of frenemies before <laughs> before the Federation showed up. They they have this history, and it just enriches, I think, the love part of it. Simply because mm. I think she felt, for once, completely safe with Odo. And it seems like a small thing, but for someone like Kira to feel safe yeah. is a big deal. Really big deal. 
Definitely. And I, looking at it through that lens, I think could go a lot into how, yeah, I'm just imagining that, you know, as, you know, imagine someone who's had a lot of, you know, trauma from past relationships, finally ending up with someone who actually treats them well and treats them with respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if, if you've had a life of, you know, for whatever reason, feeling unsafe, whether it's like Kira, you know, living through war or you've just, you know, as many, many people do, you know, especially many women, you know, live mm -hmm. just in unsafe or abusive relationships. And then to find yourself with someone who isn't like that, who makes you feel safe, that could just be like such a profoundly like uh, a powerful thing, mm -hmm. I guess, that would, you know, that would drive that relationship. Agree. Well, I have... I a lot I, just as an example, I have a friend. Um, he's like my little brother. Um, he's an old soul. I'm 23 <sighs> years older than he is. And yet we have a ton in common. We actually mm. met doing Shrek the Musical. I was the fairy godmother. <laughs> he was Pinocchio. And... Uh, <laughs> We've stayed in touch for years. We're still, we still see each other. Well, we haven't seen each other since the pandemic, but he's getting married in just under three weeks. And the woman that he's marrying is magnificent, but I have watched him go through a lot of stupid relationships mm -hmm. where he just thought, this is the best I can do. This is, this is what yeah. love is. This is the best I can do until he met, his name is Aaron. And then he met Daisy and everything changed. And to see him blossom and become the person that he is, because it wasn't because of her influence. It was just because of unconditional love mm. that he became this person that he was always meant to be and that he understands now that he is deserving of that level of love. It's just an amazing thing to see. And I kind of think of Odo and Kira in that same way because mm, Odo yeah. had unconditional love for Kira pretty much the whole time. Yeah. So... But uh, I don't know if she's ever had that. So yeah, she had. I feel like no, she had that with Odo. I don't think she has, and it's and it's clear that they are both each other's highest priority in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Whereas you know previously when she was with you know Shakar and Barail, you know those are both people who had kind of a higher calling or higher ideas and and something that could have like taken precedence over the relationship. Yeah. 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 And so, and there, I know that there are people who weren't comfortable with it, didn't like it. I was not one of those people. Mm. I was actually, when it, when it happened, like they're having that fight in, in public and he's just like, <laughs> well, I suppose I should just kiss you right here. Well, I guess you should <laughs> just, and I'm just like, wait, what? This is happening. This is happening. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Did not expect that. And so mm. I was just like, well, finally. And the funny thing is, is that in a lot of like sitcoms and whatnot, and 
other series, the whole will they or won't they thing, if they finally get together, well, then all of the magic is gone and the show flops. And I'm just like, that's because people mm. are stupid. Yeah. It's not about and, the chase. And, yes. And people don't know how to write. Mm-hmm. That too. A healthy relationship, interestingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can definitely understand, like, people who weren't comfortable with, oh, sure. with the relationship. Absolutely. Because, I mean, you know, there's definitely aspects of, of Odo kind of, yeah, the, the chase, you know, Odo um, pursuing Kira when it seems like she's not interested in that. And that, you know, brings up a lot of its own problems. But yeah, just talking about it with you now, I, I've... I've been a lot more turned around to the idea that, yeah, because once they are actually together, they have a good relationship. And yeah, it's it's still like mm-hmm. the 90s. So, you know, not everything was as, I don't even want to say perfect, but, you know, unproblematic, I guess, as we would maybe expect it if it were written nowadays. But it's still like really good. And it, it's a better portrayal of a healthy relationship than you get in a lot of of tv shows from that era you know because i mean yeah like you mentioned the sitcoms with the will they or won't they you know i feel like a lot of the same shows you'd have the couple who were already together who just like fight all the time and just seem to hate each other and it's like well why are you two still married if you don't enjoy it mm. that's why it's always good to have a friendship so and to be fair I dated Dave for, I made him wait like a year and a half before we got married. From the time that we met until the time that we got married, it was a year and a half. And that may sound like not enough time to some, but you have to understand Mm -hmm. in Utah, people would, you know, Mormon kids would get married at 18 to this guy who they met two months ago. And so, yeah. So I was I was wary of that. Looking back, I wish I hadn't waited. But at the same time, you know, I just think, oh, we could have been married like a whole year earlier. But everything worked out as as it should. And I think that if we had gotten married a year earlier, possibly mm. my mom wouldn't have warmed up to him sooner. <laughs> My mom didn't want me to marry him. And, uh, but, but the thing is, is that we, it wasn't just about attraction. Mm. We had a lot of things in common. We talked a lot. We were friends as well as being in a romantic relationship. And, and he makes me laugh still to this day. He makes me laugh every day, which was <laughs> one of my top priorities in a mate. <laughs> so. Yeah, so it worked out really great for us. But I think that that's the thing. And attraction is great. Sexual chemistry is great. But there's got to be that friendship. You've got to have things. You've got to enjoy being together without sex for it to be a successful relationship. Moy and me as well. Like there, There is no one I enjoy just spending time with more than her. Exactly. It's like any anything I want to do, first person I want yeah. to do it with is my husband. Even coming up on twenty four years of marriage, it's That's still awesome. that way. So you guys are like always will be couples goals. <laughs> uh, no pressure. <laughs> no, we are never ever mm. ever breaking up. 
We're the opposite of that Taylor Swift song. <laughs> so, but it, it seems like it's so hard sometimes to just figure out what it is mm. you think you need. Because sometimes what you think you need isn't actually what you need. And by the time we've gone through Burial and Shakar, I think Kira has a better idea of what she needs and what she wants. Yeah. Because I think she, Burial and Shakar, she, she has been, yeah, you know, they're people that she obviously has, you know, similar interests to. Mm-hmm. Whether it's kind of, you know, the, the, their shared, you know, the strength of their faith or ideals of like Bajoran independence and that sort of stuff. But it's, you know, again, I guess that's the flip side of, yeah, you know, you need shared interests, but like the kind of spark of just like that caring and love and friendship needs to be there to, for those to build on. And I don't think it was with either Shakar or Burial. Agreed. Well, we all know my opinions on Burial. I just always found them (laughs) creepy, but (laughs) just, it was just, it was, I don't know. I can't really explain it. I just no, never... No, I, I get that. Yeah. Never felt good about it. I can definitely see that. I wanted to believe that everything was at face value, but I never did. <laughs> I feel like my... I, I always felt, like, more bland than creepy from him, mm. but I could definitely see how, how you can get creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm pro Odo and Kira, I, and it's fine that people have a problem with it. It's fine. Because it's just about opinions. So, and I've explained Mm. why I think they're a good couple and why it was very hard for me to see them say goodbye. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Mm. that was the thing is that Kira understood, that was the thing. Kira understood why he had to do what he did. And I don't know that anybody else in her position would have understood it the same way. So... There you go. Couple's goals. Yeah. Even though they weren't a couple after that. Mm, and that. <laughs> because, you yep. know, he was he was in the big sea of goo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Gosh. It's just it's just so sad that he had to be the savior of the race because they could have had so much more time together. Oh yeah. Just goes to show you. you gotta wonder if if Kira and uh Cassidy Yates end up sort of developing a a friendship after that over just that shared, you know, weird, um, like non-corporeal metaphysical loss of their partners. Yeah. It's like they're out there yeah. and you, you know, they're not with somebody else, but they're also they're not, not with dead. you and they're not dead. <laughs> I wonder if it feels like that's almost hard. Imagine it would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of these, you know, Actually, I was about to say it's one of these weird situations where it's like kind of a sci-fi only thing that couldn't happen in the real world. But it's like, that's probably how people would have felt, you know, back in the day before, you know, international communication and travel was so Mm. easy. You know, when um, someone in the family would, you know, move from the old country over to the Americas or somewhere to, to try and make their fortune, they'd be, you know, functionally gone from your life because there'd be basically no way to get back in contact. Yeah. I think in I've heard that in Ireland and Scotland especially there was, you know, the concept of an American wake. They'd basically have a wake for someone when they were, you know, going to travel over to start a new life in America because they knew they'd never see them again. Yeah. Well, not only that, sometimes they didn't even make it. So Exactly. Yeah. 
ship travel was yeah ship travel was not as streamlined as it is now Mm. and it took so long and the accommodations were not good and there was disease Mm. and there was rotten food and it was just you know you think oh yes they got on a boat and went over no sailing back then was not cabins with a toilet and Mm -hmm. a made bed and stuff like that you were lucky if you had a place to sleep. They were cramming people in those boats like there was no tomorrow. It was not an easy passage. And half the people usually died, if not more. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's <sighs> depressing anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm still looking through the um, different entries in the, the romance section on like the Major Cura page on Memory Alpha. There's one for Julian Bashir. I didn't realize this, but I it is... Oh. During an outbreak of love fever brought on by a case of Xanthi fever afflicting a visiting Luaxana Troy, Kira, who was a Boreal at the time, was strongly attracted to Julian Bashir. That's uh, right. <laughs> I had wiped that from my memory. Yeah, you see, you see the words love fever and you go, oh no. <laughs> oh no. no. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, brought on by Luxana Troy. That's not an oh no, but it's a oh, I see. Yes, it's a ah, yes, of course. There's another person that you either love or hate. Um, I have come around. I have come around as well. (laughs) I'm sure I definitely used to to really find Luxana annoying, but uh, she's fun. She is fun. It's just, yep. She's she's a little bit like Mariner. She's a steamroller. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, she is someone who does what she wants and owns it. Mm-hmm. Also reminds me of a, a just a tiny bit of a God. There's a poem, and I can't remember most of it, but it but it's basically like uh, it's called like I want to wear purple or something like that. And it's basically like when I am an old woman, woman, I'm going to wear purple. Mm-hmm. And it's just written by by this woman who's saying like you know when I'm old, I'm going to be like the weird kooky old great aunt and i'm not going to care what anyone else thinks of me and it's like yeah hell yeah mm-hmm. and there yeah. was um you know back before the whole kind of pandemic thing and everything locks down back when i was still in the um the french choir there was a woman in the choir named um anna yeah you know older woman probably at least in her kind of late 70s i think who yeah would always wear you know head to toe purple like knitted beanies and cardigans and stuff she's just a fantastic fun person to be around yeah that's that's my goal as i get older because mm. there there's i have never listened to what's uh hit hit not hit hip and acceptable in fashion because i'm like fuck you you don't get to tell me what to wear i can do what i want and so I'm going to be that person that people are like, oh, she is too old to be wearing that. Oh, oh no, no, I am not too old to be wearing anything. There isn't anything in this mm. world that I'm too old to be wearing. And I am going to, I'm going to piss people off every day when I'm a senior citizen. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> As is your right. Mm-hmm. She's wearing a tank top and a fishnet shirt. I'm pretty sure she's too old to do that. Don't care. Don't care. Uh, oh, 
I'm just waiting for the time when, when, you know, all of my hair is gray and I don't have to bleach it first before I dye it bright red. Right? <laughs> right. Yes. I'm just so excited that mine is finally, you know, really, the gray and silver is really coming in. Mm. And yeah, that, it's yeah. got a really nice white, you know, kind of silver stripe in the fringe. It looks cool. Yes. It's, uh, it's, I, I wanted to just really get all the way done because. I have no compunctions about being completely silver-haired. I think it would look mm. totally groovy. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I'm just – and that's why I stopped coloring my hair because my stylist just said, you've got all of this silver in here. This is so um, – this is not a normal thing. Most people just have white, but you've got silver. You know, that's if you cool. grew this out, it would look really cool. <laughs> and she yeah. was right. So, so yeah, I'm uh, – I, I've had my hair every color of the rainbow already, and it's just too much work mm. to keep it up. So I'm just like, I'm fine with just having silver hair and people going, how old is she? I mean, there's the <laughs> hair, but she doesn't have any wrinkles. I, how old is she? <laughs> uh, you get to be a, be a mystery. Yes, I love being mysterious. <laughs> it's super fun. But, you know, if anyone asks me, I'll just tell you everything. So, but I like to make them wonder, the strangers. Yeah, I found that poem I mentioned in the, th ah. the first stanza is, um, when I'm an old woman, I shall wear purple with a red hat, which doesn't go and doesn't suit me. And I shall spend my pension on brandy and summer gloves and satin sandals and say we've no money for butter. We have red hat ladies here in America. They wear <laughs> red purple. Red hat ladies. Yes, they wear purple and they wear red hats and they go do group activities. They'll go to the movies, <laughs> they'll go to plays, they'll go to lunch, they'll go to brunch, they go to tea rooms, they go shopping, but they all wear pur all of them wear purple and wear a red hat. <laughs> just like Good that on. poem. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen them. They're not just in Utah. They are everywhere. <laughs> so good for you, ladies. Good for you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Who knew, right? Uh, that was a good little tangent. <laughs> okay. So do oh, we have any more to say about Kira's relationships? Uh, I'm not sure. There is There is always, I mean, there's so much with the, her and um, bloody Goldacat. Yeah, and his and yeah. his creeping on her, and Which just is, her. Mm. Oh, it's so weird. So that gross. one is interesting because you know, with her, just I think you know more than any other Cardassian, she just loathes Ducat with just the most fiery, burning passion. Mm -hmm. Um, and then sort of the antagonism between them when they're forced to work together under Dominion occupation. Yes. And it's it, it it is very interesting then how close Kira ends up with um with Zial. Mm -hmm. oh. Well Zial is half Bajoran, if I remember yeah. correctly. So she probably identifies with mm. that aspect of it. She identifies with basically being a child who can't go home. Because mm. um, Zial doesn't belong anywhere. Because the Bajorans and the Cardassians hate each other. It's like that yeah. episode of T&G when we had 
oh gosh, I can't even remember. It was that episode with Worf and there was this group of Klingons on this world and it turns out the one he had the hots for was also half Romulan. And Oh yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> it's just kinda like it doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter what combinations of DNA. We're all just people. But when you've got something between two races like the Bajorans and the Cardassians, it's still a little fresh and it's mm -hmm. it's hard to overcome that bias. Yeah. Kira does it though. Kira is a good mm. friend to Zeal. Yeah. Cause she yeah, she manages to see through that. She sees the the person. Yeah. Oh, when Zeal dies. Oh. Oh when mm. Kira lets loose on Dukat. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. Magnificent. She's magnificent in that moment. Well, she's magnificent in many moments. But that's probably it, I mean it's it's such a sad thing, but to see her just give him what for, just like, yeah, you tell him. Mm. You tell him. Yeah. She was yeah. Just yeah, clearly just so so ready to unload all of that on him for mm. so long. Yeah. And he deserved every bit of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just I it's, Gul Dukat is ugh, because he's clearly trying to get in Kira's pants. It's just oh. gross. Oh, it's just yeah. No, you don't even want to think about it too much. No, you don't. It's oh. just so. I I think that he probably had fantasies of taming her. <laughs> oh, he definitely did. Yes. It's just gross. <laughs> but then, you know, that's the kind of person that Ducat is. He's just gross. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Damar really? turns into a much better person than he is. Damar is, like, some of the greatest character development of any character ever. Right? <laughs> and it, that in itself is, you know, it's it's very late in the game, but there's a very interesting kind of relationship between Damar and Kira as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's when, the, yeah, she's yeah. helping train him and the and his followers mm. on Cardassia to basically revolt. She's teaching them what she knows. Yeah, what and, she did to them, you know, yeah. not half a generation ago. It was just wow. I I really loved that because I just did not think that <clears throat> that was going to be anything that that Damar was going to be anything more than just, you know, this secondary character. And then he turns into this, mm. he turns into a, a leader of a revolution. Yeah. It's uh, very cool. And I, I wonder how much of that is also just Kira's influence. Not necessarily that she was trying to influence him, but just, she was just being who she is, I think. Yeah that had an effect on mm, it. I'm sure it did. You know, the influence of her being there. Mm -hmm. And, she, you know, she was probably infamous to a lot of, you know, Cardassian officers, you know, as this thorn in their side, you know, one of the the key fighters of the Shakar resistance, now working with the Federation. You know, probably very many of them who would have hoped to be the one to bring her down. And now there he is working with her and watching her. He'd, and you'd probably just be kind of actively thinking, all right, I've, 
this this is the sort of person I need to be to mm-hmm. take back my home world because because that's that's what worked. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's not pretty, but unfortunately, with the Cardassians, they kind of only understand a certain language when it comes to power and mm. you know overthrowing a fascist regime. <laughs> so, yeah. I would like to think that in that they could have done it another way, but I honestly don't see how they could have. I really don't. No. But the people in charge being the people that they were and the way things were on Cardassia in general. And the thing is, again, you have to think about all of these Cardassians that we're seeing, for the most part, we're only seeing a small section of what Cardassians are like. Mm. And yeah. they are not representative of the whole. They are actually representative of a small section of Cardassians, and that's the yeah. people in power. And there are so many Cardassians that just are not like that, that just go about their daily lives and get married and have children and do what they do yeah. under this fascist government. And mm. it's just... You don't think about that enough, I think. I think we don't think about that enough. That no. we can't we can't condemn an entire race on the actions of a few. No, of course not. That's something I really love about um uh Enigma Tales, Una McCormick's um novel set on post war Cardassia mm. where yeah, you, you just see so many different people and different characters there who are just everyday people going about their lives on Cardassia. Mm-hmm. You, trying to rebuild, trying to kind of reconcile this generational guilt and this trauma. And uh, it's a it's a wonderful book. Yes, I haven't read that one yet. I need to read it. I mm. think I have it, but I haven't read it. I have a lot of Star Trek books that I haven't read. Um, yeah. <laughs> life <laughs> happens, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, complicated relationship with Ducat. Definitely. Ducat turned out to be a little more complicated than we originally thought, but in the end, still Ducat. <laughs> yes, very much. <laughs> Not a whole lot of progression there. <laughs> no, it does very much go off the deep end. Yeah, really, really really does uh he just he leans so far into his own hubris <laughs> he, yeah. he takes a paw wraith into his body it's just like are you a complete moron <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were smarter than this ducat but apparently not <laughs> mm. yeah he got what he deserved unfortunately or fortunately depending on who you are yep, yep. Yeeted into the fire caves. Yeah, that's the funny thing. It was the it was a one the one moment where I was like, "Oh, Wynn actually has a redemption story here." It's very brief, but there is huh. one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just very grateful for her to uh, see the error of her ways. You know, right before mm-hmm. she died. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. I don't even want to talk about Kira's relationship with Kai Wynn because it just makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. God, I, mm. 
Yeah, I mean, we've barely kind of touched on her her faith at all, but I, I don't know, I would kind of like the idea of, of doing a whole episode devoted to kind of the Bajoran spirituality in itself, because there's so much there. Mm-hmm. It is really interesting that um, Kira is a very devout follower of the Bajoran religion, but it's not something that, it doesn't seem to kind of negatively impact, I don't want to say negatively, but it's like, I quite like this about her because it doesn't seem like it's, you know, it doesn't look as if it's a huge part of her life because she's not someone who's like constantly like, you know, speaking of, you know, religious things. It's a very private thing for her. And and I just think that is good representation because like I know people like that. You know, I have uh, a good friend in my like role-playing game group who is um like a Orthodox Christian and he is like a very like, quite devout faithful person he is very kind of read up and learned on the the texts of like his uh particular like branch of christianity but like he's not the sort of person who's just going to go and like proselytize to people all the time it's like you i you talk to him like it's not like every conversation is about god and religion you know with him it's mostly like star wars and D D and warhammer <laughs> Yeah. But you know, it it is a you know a big part of who he is, and you know that's that's the kind of very like good nuanced characterization that I like about Kira. Yes, because it can it it can definitely be very easy if you're writing a character who is like very religious to have them just be that just be their one character trait is like they are very religious all the time. Yeah. Well, the thing is, zealots are not that interesting. Exactly. Yeah. So, and obviously, we do get you know zealots. You know, we get Kaiwin and even some of the other uh, Bajoran characters. You know, there are some we meet who are yeah all about the religion, and that's their only character trait. But it's very nice that that Kira is not one of them. Well, when it comes to zealots, that's pretty much what they are. They're all about the religion, and that's it. Yeah. There's nothing else there. <laughs> Yeah. So I think that's, I don't know that that, that's not like the textbook definition of a zealot, but that's pretty much, zealots are pretty one-sided. It sounds like that's what you have a a lot of experience with in Utah. (laughs) Oh my Lord, yes. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Less said about that one, the better, I guess. Yes. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. Just, oh, yeah. it'll just make me angry and I'm having a good time. So, yeah. Uh, I, I suppose we better wrap this up because, uh, I, yeah, I mean, yep. don't know that we have anything else to say about her relationships. And that was the biggest thing. But, you know, I think that's, that is a big part of anyone's lives is their relationships. Yes. So that should take the longest to talk about. Yeah. I think so. I think it's um, you know, one of the biggest parts of, of what makes, you know, a person who they are, obvi- you know, in reality, obviously. Um, and I think shown very well in Deep Space Nine, possibly more than some other series, except the, uh, perhaps the original series, you know, a lot of what makes Kirk and Spock who they are is their relationship with each other. But, you know, the relationships between the different characters in Deep Space Nine is part of what makes the whole show so good to me agree 
Agree. You can do anything with that show. You can tell any story as mm. long as those relationships are interesting, realistic, evolving. That's that's the thing. I think life is not even in general so much about accomplishments and all these things. It's about the relationships that yeah. you make along the way, the people you connect with. Very much. So, yeah. It's an it, when you're writing a fictional character, it's it's nice to see mm. a character like Kira who is so well thought out and three-dimensional. And not just a typical, you know, you think, you know, who the first time we see her on Deep Space Nine, I'm sure people are just thought, oh, great, this kind of person. Mm. No, no, you're just mm. seeing one side of Kira. Kira is multifaceted, just like every character on DS9. It's uh, that's one of the main reasons it's just so good, because mm -hmm. you have good characters and you can still write an episode that may not be so good but it's going to be elevated because of the characters relationships and the things they do in that episode so yeah they yeah. take the mediocre and make it exceptional mm -hmm. the real space station was the friends we made along the way yes exactly <laughs> that's exactly ah. right <laughs> yeah no but that's exactly it like e even in like the the worst episodes the characters and their you know relationships with each other make it work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. however don't get me started on paradise you know what we should actually cover that episode like as one of our episode deep dives because i hate yeah. it so profoundly paradise yeah the the one with the woman who took all the people with her and they don't use any technology and then they find out that oh. she's been using dampening fields and it wasn't an accident that they crashed there. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Alexis, may you burn week. in hell? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something I would actually like to cover. I need to revisit that episode and see if my revulsion is just as strong or if it's gotten stronger. <laughs> and I'm not saying that the episode is bad. That's not what I'm saying at all. Mm. I'm saying Elixis is horrible. <laughs> she is prideful. She is a liar. She is narcissistic. She is many things. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> all right. I... I'm drawing a bit of a blank on this one. It must have been a long time since I've seen this episode. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a while since I've watched it. Since I, I, it frustrates me so much. So it would be very interesting to revisit that. Especially, I think it's probably been probably about seven, eight years since I've watched it. Wow. So, because I usually just avoid it. <laughs> but I mean, it's 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 a it's not a bad episode. I'm not saying mm. that. It just makes me so angry. <laughs> so angry. So, yeah. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, things and stuff. Uh, where can people find you, Nick? Oh, well, uh, you can find me on Twitter, where I am at Punkzoologist. 
Uh, I'm on Instagram as at punkrockzoologist. And you can follow me on either of those for various random shit that I just (laughs) post out there into the ether. Nice. Nice. I mean, it's springtime here, so you'll probably be getting a lot of wildlife photos on my Instagram coming up. I love wildlife photos! Lots of king parrots come to say hi. Nice. Kookaburras. I have... So... I think I've mentioned on this before, obviously, kookaburras come and, like, attack their reflections in mm-hmm. our windows. There's one window in particular, which is kind of like the, the study between two parts of this of, of our house. Uh, they seem to prefer that window most. And what I've done, and I, I swear this has worked because they've stopped doing it as much, is uh, a couple of years ago, Moya and I went to see um, a Nicolas Cage movie double feature. I can't remember. Oh, it was, I'm pretty sure it was Raising Arizona and then Mandy. Because this was the premiere of Mandy. Ah. And we got little paper cutout Nicolas Cage face masks from it. (laughs) And I have stuck one of those up in the window to scare the kookaburras away to stop them. I swear to God it worked. (laughs) I love it. Yes. I love it. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the fact that they just passed out Nicholas Cage masks. It's just <laughs> oh, God. this. Was... Oh, oh, this is... is at like the the Astor Theater in Melbourne, which That's is amazing. which is like Melbourne's oldest, I think, theater. It was certainly like. It's still got like the, it's a movie cinema, but it feels like you're in an old, like proper theater inside. Right. And that's where they would do all, you know, the indie films, the double features. We saw um, a Disaster Artist there, you know, the documentary about the making of The Room. Mm-hmm. Um, I went, years ago, I went to see a, a a Western, like double feature there with my dad. We got to see Once Upon a Time in the West, which was pretty fun. Nice. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that tickles me. Uh, where um, online can people find you, Brandy? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12. Brandy's with an I, 12 is a number. I know I say it every time, but maybe there's a new listener this time who doesn't know how to spell my name. It's fine. And uh, I'm, a- I'm also on Instagram. I don't post as much as I could. Usually it's for podcast posting stuff, but uh, I'm on Brandy Jekyll there. And uh, someday there'll be a new episode of What the Future Holds, which is my Star Trek Discovery podcast with my husband, Dave, and our good friend, Christopher D. Littlefield. And someday you may hear a new episode of uh, Boldly Go, our Strange New Worlds podcast that I do mm-hmm. with my friend Suzanne Williamson. Someday. Someday there might be another Infinite Trek panel, the one that we were going to do today as of this recording. Mm-hmm. It, there are two people sick, and so they have postponed it again. So oh we'll see what happens there. And then I do a podcast with my hubby called The Dark Corner Podcast, where we just look at pop culture stuff from a darker point of view. We are about to do our anniversary show. (laughs) We do an anniversary episode for each year of podcasting that we've done. Nice. And we talk about the thing that is like 
what you would give as a gift to a couple having that as their wedding anniversary. <laughs> and this year it's cool. silk. So we will be talking about silk. And I'm sure I'm going to learn many things about silk that I did not know. Cool. And that it, silk does actually gross me out a bit because of where it comes from. Yeah, I've been to a <laughs> silk factory in Cambodia. <laughs> so I don't actually own anything that is silk. But <laughs> hmm. anyway, so that's fun. You can find that at darkcornerpodcast.com. Am I forgetting something? The Unready Room. The Unready mm. Room is going on weekly right now, covering each new episode of Lower Decks. Uh, we have been without Dan for the last two episodes because he has been traveling for this uh, temporary job he is doing. But it's been mm. me and Bruce Gibson, which is like the heyday of Live from the Edge. Right? When we were doing this <laughs> Discovery Live show. Were it not for Live from the Edge, though, the Unready Room would not exist. So, yeah. you know, it it has its place. And uh, it was just, it's just really fun to do that show with Dan and sometimes with Bruce. Bruce doesn't mm -hmm. always have the ability to do it, but uh, I appreciate when he does pop in in the middle of a, the stream. <laughs> so, it's, But you can find that on Dan's YouTube channel, which is Kurt Ratz Productions. That is just Star Trek spelled backwards. So I think that is all of the places. All right. Well, uh, before we finish up, uh, I just want to acknowledge the traditional owners of uh, the land on which I live and where I'm recording, um, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Pay my respect to elders past, present, and emerging, and I acknowledge sovereignty was never ceded. Right? I guess. There's only one thing left to say. Avengers! Fedex! <laughs> Did I say <laughs> Avengers in the beginning? Oh my god! I got no. I th I'm pretty sure you said Vedix. Okay, good. Well, anyway, I'm I'll leaving. Have to go back. I'm leaving all of this in. Vedix. I don't. I don't want to piss off the mouse. <laughs> Vedix, disassemble. <laughs> <laughs>